Hello and welcome to the Life Together podcast, where we share in meaningful conversation about living for Christ and loving one another. Thanks for joining today, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, I'm here today with Scott Bolden. Uh, Scott is one of our deacons here, and uh, as I've gotten to know you, Scott, you've been just one of the most encouraging people that I've met. Um, it seems like it's just kind of like a natural part yeah. of your uh, your personality. You've got the contagious smile and everything. <laughs> um, but we're gonna we're gonna actually talk about that today. We're talking about this episode's gonna be on being an encourager. Um, and so Scott, tell us just a little bit about how life is going for the Boldens right now, and then we'll kind of get into our, sure. uh, discussion. Yeah. I mean, uh, we are, uh, we are at a busy time in our lives. Uh, the kids are just jumping back into school. Uh, we're, um, I guess going with, with sports and soccer and lots of different 4-H activities and, you know trying to be as you know involved with with church and and that's at the top of the list priority wise uh for the kids and it's just there's a lot going on yeah yeah and let's see you've got a trip coming up in like nine I days i do to alaska i am yes nervously very excited about it uh it's something that i wanted to do forever but uh, just getting getting uh, an opportunity to go up there, go into the mountains, and uh, try to bring some meat back for the family. Yeah, so that's that's really cool. And is there like is this going to be like a guided hunt, no. or it's just no, weird? no, no? I and everybody thinks I'm a little bit crazy that I've never done this before and am going up there without a guide. But myself and uh, my buddy Paul uh, Warner, who's like one of my best friends, we're going to go up and. Uh, float down a river and see if we can find a moose and bring it back. So uh, we'll be out in the middle of nowhere and sweet. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the show uh, Alone? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I me and my family love watching that. That's what it uh-huh. reminds me of. Just like middle of Alaska. Yeah. You know. Uh, bring a GoPro with you. Bring some. Bring some oh, footage man. back. Yeah. I. I'm a little nervous of uh, how I'm going to do with a very limited interaction for uh, for a longer period of time, and much much less like not getting to see you know Becca or the girls or you know my yeah. just completely out of my normal um, routine, so yeah. to speak, for an extended period of time. So yeah, uh, it, it's you know you we grow when we put ourselves in uncomfortable situations. Mm. And so a lot of this trip um, to, to me is not about going up there to just try to shoot a moose, right? Mm. And, and to come back. But it is to try to push myself outside of my comfort zone, to try to grow and to, you know, um, you know, grow grow closer to uh, to Paul, who's one of my best friends. He's a great example and encourager of mine, and he's a great godly example. And so, if I'm going to spend time with with one person for that yeah. amount of time, he's the kind of guy that, you know, I'm willing and, and excited to do that. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I heard um, one one of the guys on the cross country team when I ran at FC. Um, he said in a prayer one time something along the lines of God, thank you for letting us use our bodies to strengthen our minds. 
And that's really just stuck with me since. Like there's so many things that, uh, that push us um, to excel uh, in that train our minds in a way to do far more than what we thought we were capable of. Oh, yeah. Um, which is maybe a good segue. I mean, mm-hmm. so much of what encouragement is has to do with this idea of being able to, to push one another. Um, sure. to strengthen one another. Yeah. Um, and so let's kind of get into that a little bit. Um, I know, like I said, you strike me as just someone who's just kind of naturally been an encourager all of your life, but yeah. talk about kind of the experiences that have maybe, I don't know, cultivated that in you and some yeah. of the impactful moments along the way that have mm-hmm. shaped you into being an encourager. Sure. I, Boy, um, you're giving me way too much credit there, but I, I will I will just start off by saying that it is not uh, just my nature to be an encourager at all, and it is something that I, I guess several years ago, I, I specifically sought out to work on being an encourager. Um that does not mean I'm not trying when I say that I'm not saying that I have arrived or anything. I'm just letting you know it's something that I'm consciously uh, trying to work on. And you know part of uh, part of that is my way of just overcoming um, I don't know if it's the darkness with within me or things that like I struggle with, but one of my number one struggles is selfishness. Uh, and when you encourage others, you have to purposefully think of others. Uh, if you want to be empathetic, you have to put yourself in their situation and think, how can I help them, you know, uh, with a physical need or a, you know, a word of encouragement, you have to think about them and put their needs before yourself. And so I guess my, you know, uh, desire to, to pray to the Lord to help me be an encourager, help me to be, you know, a Barnabas, so to speak, known as a son of encouragement. Like that is, uh, it is very purposeful. And, you know, over, over the course of time, as you get older and more people are dependent upon you in your life and you take on more responsibility, there's more of a need to give of yourself to other people as a father and as a husband and just being a husband. Like, you know, my wife, she is like, you know, Becca's kind of like a built-in sense of checks and balances that God has, you know, built into my life and who I am and how I am to move forward as a, as a man and as a father and a husband. And so she, she definitely uh, is willing to help, <laughs> to help in the, uh, the, I don't want to say perfection process cause I'll never be perfect, but uh, she is part of the refining process of trying to bring me into a closer relationship with the Lord. And so yeah. She, yeah. she helps keep me on the right track. Yeah. Man, that's really cool to hear. Um, <clears throat> I love hearing answered prayers, you know, and sometimes it takes, you know, a while to see that answer. And I don't know how you felt when I asked about doing this, 
But I mean, I feel like that's an, that's a bit of an answered prayer. I mean, that's so <laughs> cool. You prayed, God, you know, I want to be a son of encouragement. I want to be a Barnabas. Yeah. And, and truly, like, since I've been here, I feel like that's, I mean, you strike me as someone who, who is that way. So through whatever factors have been shaping you into that, evidently the spirit's been working and yeah. um, been working yeah. in and, and through you. Well, um, I, I can tell you absolutely, and, and very few people know that that is something that I'm working towards. You didn't know that when you asked me, but I will say that one of the things I thought of was, Oh man, maybe some some little bit of this is is working to some yeah. extent. I, um, you know, I, just I I have not always been a positive person. Is just the bottom line. Like you can, depending upon what you surround yourself with and the news that you watch or the social media that you engage in, like it can just get you down, right? And I have uh, definitely not been uh, the positive person. Um, that I want to be. And even, even growing up as I was the oldest child in my family, I had a sister that was three years younger than me. And then my brother was five years younger than me. And, you know, I, (laughs) whatever, just how I was raised or what I believed or what, like I was very, uh, kind of solid in the, in the things that I thought. And, and there were times where, Maybe what I was doing and what my brother or sister were doing did not always line up with what I thought that we should be doing in our life. And I took those opportunities upon myself far too often to just let them know how I thought, okay? To like, not not that I had an agenda, but it's just, and, and I wasn't trying to in any way put myself on a pedestal, but I was very willing to just correct them right to just let them know hey look i don't think that you're doing what you need to be doing and and in most cases like the things i'm talking about did need to be worked on but what happened was i created this void or this gap this you know they would withdraw from me and that limited my opportunity to be a positive influence in their life because i just i, I don't maybe didn't use the right a way of trying to motivate them or correct them or to be kind or to be encouraging. Yeah. And you definitely catch way more flies with honey than vinegar. Yeah. And, and having my brother and sister pull away from me, mm-hmm. uh, at a time, you know, those are, those are things that are still in our relationship today that I have to try to work through. And, and, and we have a good relationship now. It's just that, there's just a lot of stress that I put on that relationship by maybe not having the most tact when I should have. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, I, I understand that. And, you know, I think about, as you're talking, I think about different coaches that I had growing up. Um, I had, you know, the coaches who would yell and shout and scream and, and enforce discipline and establish an authoritative presence or whatever, tell and command what to do. And then I had other coaches who, um, who showed compassion, who showed that they understood and could get mm-hmm. on our level yeah. and um, would still point out what we were doing wrong, how we're running this play wrong, whatever, um, but who did it in a way that said like, hey, let me come alongside you and walk mm-hmm. you through it. And you know what, by the way, you might be doing this wrong, 
but this play that you ran, you know, two possessions ago, that was, that was great, you know, or, and, and it's, it's, it takes work, I think, to, to be a coach like that. And it takes work to, to become a person like that, because like you said, it Mm -hmm. requires us being mindful of others. Um, But I think all of that, to your point, it just highlights how important encouragement is and the difference in response that people have around yeah. us when mm-hmm. we're a son of encouragement versus yeah. a son of whatever else, discouragement mm-hmm. and, and uh, deprecation. So, so yeah, um, I think it's interesting how in English, right, encourage is like literally to put heart into someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I feel like we're in a time when a lot of people are losing heart. Yeah. And what do you think are some of those things like? um, Yeah, I I think, um, I guess the heart of, you know, admonishing others or to take heart in what others are going through is to think of them, um, think, think of someone else. And so if you're not doing that and you struggle with that, yeah. I would think, you know, depression would be one of those, Um, you know, a lot of people struggle with, with depression, uh, which can sometimes be very self-focused. And, you know, also just selfishness in general. Like I think, I think selfishness is one of those things that to one degree or another, everybody uh, not Mm -hmm. focuses on, but just, struggles with like it's it's in our it is in our nature to preserve oneself Mm -hmm. and to put that first and so when when jesus comes along and he says you know to uh put one another's needs first Mm -hmm. that is not only countercultural but it's counter nature yeah in many ways yeah and it's it's uh it's counter to our nature and yet at the same time it's what we're ultimately designed for Mm-hmm. Like this, this for otherness is like the core attribute of God as mm-hmm. he's the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, this essential for otherness that exists between them. And then in God making us in his image, and then God giving uh, Adam and Eve each other in the garden, he just weaves this inherent for otherness into the, the fabric of reality. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's, it's like once, once we start living out of that for otherness that Christ, uh, exemplifies for us, Mm -hmm. um, we discover ultimately what it does mean to be human. And at the core of it is this idea of encouraging and, um, and, and, uh, thinking of, of, of others above ourselves. But yeah, yeah, sure. There's definitely a whole, it, it um, goes to a whole nother level too as a parent because mm. you, you're you pretty much forced to, you know, take care of ones, of, of your children and yeah. help them, you know, grow and, and feed them and take care of them. And um, you learn a lot as a parent for sure. I'm, I'm still, yeah. I'm still learning a lot. Yeah. Um, so, and, and too, as far as, uh, you know what one of the other struggles is I think we are 
I, I didn't really realize it, I guess, as much until COVID, but we are just so busy. Mm-hmm. And when I say we are so busy, that means that we are making ourselves so busy. We are involved in so many things, extracurricular activities, school expectations that we put on ourselves. Like there's, um, and I'm not saying that these things are inherently wrong, but that's, uh, it, it just detracts from your ability and, and the amount of time that you have to think um, about other people and what they're going through when you have so much going on, you're just trying to stay above water yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that that creates an, an environment which, like you said, it's so difficult to have that for otherness focus about you. Um, but yeah, so I know I know there are some uh, stories that you were interested mm-hmm. in sharing. Um, what are I guess some of the 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 stories the the people um, when you think back through your life that have been these encouraging moments um, mm-hmm. that maybe showed you what it means to be an encourager? Well, I mean, I, there are definitely a lot of different people that um, have taken an interest in me or my family that we, we in so many ways are the collective of experiences that we have in our life and the relationships that we have with others form who we are and the people that are closest to us obviously would have a larger impact than people that we don't talk to very much and you know for me some of the most encouraging people in my life have been you know family members uh, my dad uh, my grandpa you know friends of mine um, but one person uh, in particular that has played a big role in in who I am is my papa. And he, you know, just even from the time that I was a little bitty, was just somebody that I looked up to as, you know, kind of one of my heroes. And, you know, would always, you know, ask me how I'm doing. I spent a ton of time over my grandpa and grandma's house growing up. My grandpa was a, he was an architect and I always thought that was neat. And, I uh, loved to draw with him and stuff. But towards, you know, after I left to go to college, um, you know, he would call and check up on me. And, you know, we had had the girls and uh, my grandma died probably, I don't know, several, like 15, no, not 15 years ago, probably about 12 years ago, uh, 13 years ago at this point. And so my grandpa was by himself and he ended up uh, getting remarried, but we would, we would talk and he would just always ask me, you know, how's the girls? How's Becca doing? How's work doing? And he would just, you know, always, always, always let me know. I'm so proud of you. I, you know, love you so much. And he would encourage me, you know, as, as a Christian as well, and just always checking on me. And I just always appreciated that. Well, so a few years, you know, go by and I purposefully like set out like it was one of my goals to be uh, an encourager. And I kind of got to thinking about, you know, who like in, in scripture to me, like there's multiple people and we'll talk about this a little bit more later that are obvious encouragers or admonishers or um, people that that lift others up in scripture. But um 
you know, Barnabas was one of those. And so I was thinking, okay, who is, who's my Barnabas, right? And, and just because you name one person in your life as a, as a Barnabas, so to speak, that doesn't mean that there can't be multiple people that, that embody son or daughter of encouragement in your life. And so my grandpa got in pretty bad health. He had uh, COPD, went into the hospital and was just having a really hard time breathing. Uh, a lot of fluid on his heart. Um, and so it was over Thanksgiving of 2021. And I, I went up to Kansas City. Uh, my, my papa, he was 88 years old. And and it, that was during COVID. And so I, I, you know, the whole family couldn't go see him, which was just, it was really rough. Like literally at that point, only one person per day could go in to see him. And we had to get some special clearance or whatever. And so my, um, his wife, Marilyn, uh, left the room and was able, I was able to go in and see him. I, Becca couldn't see, I don't, well, actually Becca did get to see him, uh, after I left. But so I go in there and it's just him and I, and we have this conversation and I don't know what it was, but I just felt like this may be the last time that I ever see my grandpa alive. And so I talked to him and I, I told him, I was like, you know, Papa, you, you are my Barnabas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he didn't really know what to say. Nobody ever called him that before. He didn't know that was something. He didn't know that was something I was working on, but he was so appreciative, and he just looked looked me in the eye and just said, thank you so much. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. But anyway, so... I had that conversation with him and then, um, you know, we, we drove back home and Jan fast forward January 30th of 2022, uh, my grandpa died and that was the last time that I got to talk to him. And so we, you know, went home. I say home. This is home, right? I've I've lived here longer than I did in Kansas City. That's where I'm from. But I went back to Kansas City to go to my grandpa's funeral. And I'm there. And I you know, we're trying to figure out the arrangements and what's the funeral going to look like and who's going to speak. And it, I just remember sitting in my dad's house. I'm like, is nobody going to get up and say anything about Papa? I'm like, well, I am definitely, <laughs> you know, I am definitely going to get up and say something. So I put together some thoughts and I was, you know, preparing for speaking at his funeral and just talking about what he meant to me and other people in the family and just trying to, you know, I just wanted to do it justice uh, in some ways of, of letting everybody else know kind of the impact of what he meant to different people in the family and how important he was. And so... 
I was I was like, well, I want to read the verse in Acts chapter four, verse thirty-six, where it, where Barnabas is named the son of encouragement. And I had ne- like, I had set out to be more like my grandpa, you know, in a lot of a lot of ways, or or Barnabas, and I I'd never really fully read the verse, and so I'm preparing for my grandpa's funeral, and I read the verse, and it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And then it hit me. And like, I, I'm not saying that this was just like meant to be, but my grandpa's name is Joseph Carl Bolden. Wow. Oh, man. And it was just like, oh my goodness. Like, it just kind of, I was like, dad, did you? I don't know. Wow. It was just a moment for me of uh, kind of an epiphany of, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. Oh, man, that's beautiful. Um, and what a special moment oh. to, to get to share. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, how, how, have, how have you taken the things that, that you learned from him? You know, you, you saw him as the Barnabas for you. Um, is there anything any part of how he was toward you that you've tried to now kind of pass on to others as you've tried to be an encourager yourself? So I think that one thing that was on my grandpa's mind when he talked to me, and my dad in a lot of ways is like this as well, is that we can be I don't want to say sappy, but just see the importance of the of the passing of time and passing of opportunity and the fact that we will not have the moment we have right this second forever. Uh, we die. We are going to die, every one of us. That's not a, a bad thing. That's not a thing to just completely fret it just is what it is and we only have so many opportunities to talk to the people that we love to tell them that and to remind them of that and and why why would we not want to be an encourager why would we not want to lift people up and to let them feel great or important or acknowledge the impact that they have in your life and how they build you up. I mean, it's, it's part of just admonishing one another and, and just building one another up as the body of Christ. Yeah. It's, it's how we let the, the, the Holy spirit works through us when we do that. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love how you put that. It reminds me of Colossians three in verse 16, and, and we don't normally use this verse in this way, but it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It's like the the word of Christ comes and it, it, it dwells in us. And then the way that Christ speaks to all of us and to one another is by using our own voices. And here yeah. he specifically means singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but he also mm-hmm. talks about teaching, admonishing, encouraging. It's like, this is the way that the word of Christ resonates with people, that it gets in their heart, and it mm-hmm. becomes just this beautiful thing that we're all sharing in together uh, where 
the, the word of Christ builds us up more and more and more. Um, and so it's, it's amazing to think that when I encourage someone, it could very well be the means by which God is speaking to them, the very means by which the word of Christ is coming to dwell in them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, so powerful. And in what you said, I kind of heard like two, two things um, about how you've tried to, to pass on what your, your pawpaw gave to you. And one is like taking in every moment, realizing um, that every moment matters and that we're not going to be mm-hmm. in this exact moment again. Um, and we're not going to have loved ones in our life forever. And so thinking about how we spend our time, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I yeah. think what he means there is help us to realize the the brevity of life so that we can be wise in every moment and make every moment count. Mm-hmm. And um, I love how you put that. And then the other thing that I heard in that was the importance of words, um, the importance of, of what we say. You know, we were talking about this before yeah. the podcast, but, you know, you hear people, you know, as a kid, <laughs> you say things like sticks yeah. and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. It's like, man, mm-hmm. there may may not be uh, any more false statement that's oh. echoed down <laughs> through history. It's like words, words do hurt. Um, but on the other hand, they can also bring life. I love how Proverbs eighteen twenty one puts it, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so that's what I hear in what you're saying, like taking in every moment and using every moment uh, to speak words that that truly means something to people because our words are so powerful. Yeah, I um, I was looking at some quotes the other day and one of them that I just really resonated with me was uh, this quote by Kipling and it says, words are the most powerful drug used by mankind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can, uh, we, and we're warned about the tongue multiple times in scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, James talks about that it is it is a small part of our body, but a small fire can, you know, uh, burn the whole forest down and yeah. just use it, use it with discretion. But at the same time, uh, it it can be you, you can't always focus on the negative and just not speak, right? Yeah, like use it as an opportunity to build one another up and encourage yeah. and help people. Yeah, one of the coolest verses when it comes to the tongue is or to our words sounds kind of weird to just say the tongue, but um, but Proverbs fifteen four, uh, the tree of life is used. It only comes up like three places explicitly in the Bible. Now, the tree of Mm -hmm. life comes up in a ton of other ways, but it's only directly stated in like three places, Genesis, Revelation, and then right here in Proverbs where the writer, supposedly Solomon, says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perversiveness in it breaks the spirit. So on one hand, you, you have the negative, this this uh, way of speaking that's that's harsh, that's brutal, that maybe not even uh, has a tone of anger or anything like that, but just puts people down or maybe doesn't take them into account at all. But then you have the kind of 
words, the kind of, and I like how he says the kind of tongue, like words are more, I guess, passive, but a tongue is like, you're not, it's not like you get a new tongue. You can even have a tongue that's a tree of life or a tongue that's something else, but a tongue that is gentle, he says, is, is a tree of life. Like you think about what the tree of life means all throughout scripture, how it is the thing that, uh, in the garden sustains Adam and Eve and it's connected with being in the presence of God. And in revelation, it plays the same role. And it's as if Solomon is saying here, the way you use your words can be like welcoming someone into the garden again. Mm. Um, And that's such a powerful image to think about that through my words, I could create an Edenic space for someone. And maybe yeah. that sounds like overhyping the power of words, but I think just experientially it's it's so true. Um, and and I, that idea of sources brings another verse to mind. Um, Proverbs 18, four, a person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as bubbling brooks. So he's he's all about using these image to, to you know, help our minds grasp the the power of our words but uh but yeah i think about that the times when i've most needed it it truly has become like streams that come in from all these different sources and uh provide life when i'm feeling empty so yeah we we've definitely got to let the lord use us in the lives of others and if we would just want to focus on ourselves we can but yeah um you really leave a lasting impact when you think of people other than yourself. And, and I'm saying this to myself and my number one struggle is selfishness. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, like you said, that's at, it's at the root of it all for, for every yeah. one of us. So we've talked a little bit about some of the experiences from your own life and the moments of encouragement that we've both received. But in scripture, the Bible uh, has a lot to say about, encouragement not just within the mm-hmm. wisdom literature within proverbs and things like that but there's the there are stories and characters and moments in scripture that uh, speak powerfully to this idea and what are some of those that come to mind for you well there's obviously a lot of different uh, places in scripture where people are trying to be encouraged or loving uh, to others a couple of the ones that I uh, really thought about outside of of Jesus in in Jesus's life, which we can talk about that in a minute. But um, I think one that hit, I guess uh, from the sense of a parable of all of us at one time or another uh, to different levels uh, can identify with is the parable of the prodigal son, mm. where the son goes and he's you know. Uh, takes his inheritance and he wastes it away and he comes back and his brother is resentful. But the father in that story, man, that is really powerful and encouraging. And we know that that is, you know, portraying how the father welcomes us back after we have been down and out and, and, um, you know, acting sinful and, and his uh, willingness to welcome us back, but you know the father in that story, he doesn't, he doesn't even wait until the son gets to him. He sees him on the road, and he is so excited 
that he runs out to meet him and gives him a hug and a kiss. And we know about, you know, slaughtering the the fatted calf or whatever and and having a feast putting his robe on him and celebrating the fact that the son is is back he didn't he didn't bring him back and just say okay upon these conditions uh you will now be part of the family again it was it was just open arms um welcoming him back which is man that is so encouraging i mean for for uh, you know, myself who has fallen short of the glory of God, and I'm very willing to, you know, uh, own up to that. But just so many people don't think they're good enough, mm. and they they put limits on the Father's love, and this just tells you He is there. He is waiting. He is, he is ready to run down the road and grab His, you know, put His arms around us, and welcome us back to the fold. That is yeah. so encouraging to me. And I think that's probably where all encouragement really begins, where the ultimate encouragement comes from, um, a reminder that God loves you. And that's so easy to forget. Sometimes it's because of our own sin and shame, like it was in that story, or it could be because of suffering Um, How could God love me? I'm in this terrible situation. I've lost these loved ones. I have this disease. How could God love me? What encouragement can be given to to someone in a moment like that? You know, you can't just say, it's all going to get better. It's like, you know, I I wish I could say that. I wish Mm -hmm. I knew how it was all going to play out. And I wish I understood how God was going to make something meaningful out of this. But what you can say is those same words, like the Father is still running to you. Mm-hmm. Like he still loves you. And one day when all this craziness is over, there's going to be a feast at the end and we're going to celebrate and somehow the sorrow that you're going to that you're feeling right now will turn into joy. And I know you can't see that right now, but like yeah, I know God loves you. Um and so wherever we're at whatever kind of encouragement we need maybe it's not even with suffering or with sin but also i think with um like lacking in in confidence being fear and in uh to and timid about something that we're facing in life um uh the most powerful thing isn't hey you know, that thing that you're about to face, it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal, you know, mm-hmm. you or hyping them up like, hey, you got this, you can do this, you have it in yourself. It's yeah. the most powerful encouragement is, hey, God loves you. And whether you fail or whether you succeed in what you're about to do, God still loves you. Like yeah. he, he is with you. He's that father who wraps you up in his arms and, uh, no matter what, at the end of this life, you're you're gonna have uh, his robe on you, um, and and so God God loves you. I feel like that's really where all encouragement has to begin. A reminder, even when nothing else can be said, the most important thing to say is God loves you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the other examples that I thought about, which was pretty powerful is uh, in Luke chapter 1 when um, Elizabeth is encouraging Mary as she's mm-hmm. pregnant, which, man, if you put yourself in Mary's shoes and you think about there's this young girl 
who is she is now pregnant crazy she is a virgin and very few people believe her right like i seriously could you if i was just somebody that was her friend or somebody that was in town like to think uh yeah right mary okay or even joseph i mean yeah (laughs) i mean yeah man what a good man right Right. To, to stick with her but um you know elizabeth uh it says that with a loud voice she exclaimed blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear but why am i so favored that the mother of my lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reaches my ears the baby in my womb leaped for joy like she is just she is there for mary and trying to encourage her and you, I can't even imagine all of the things that were going through Mary's mind and that she was dealing with at that time. Yeah. Wow. That That is a beautiful moment. And honestly, not one of the ones that immediately comes to mind when I think about encouraging moments in scripture. But yeah, I think sometimes we look at that story and we th- maybe, maybe we just dismiss how Mary would have felt. It's like, oh, wow, she gets to be the mother of Jesus, you know, she plays such this, you know, this really cool role in the story of God's redemption. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, well, let's like, let's try to step into her shoes. Think of how terrifying that would be. You know, she's a teenager and this is this, all of this weight is placed on her. Mm -hmm. And who's the person who comes to her side in this moment? Elizabeth, like, Hey, yeah, I want to encourage you, and and the and it's interesting to me the way that she encourages, like, um, again, it's not like she is hyping Mary up necessarily, um, or saying, "Wow, Mary, you've been so devoted to God, you deserved this." You know, it's like mm-hmm. she almost is like excite, e- expressing her excitement of what Mary is getting to do and she's saying i I think this is such an exciting and beautiful moment that you are playing this role in god's redemptive story and it's Mm -hmm. scary but i'm right here with you through it and i i consider this as an amazing favor that i even i even get to be in your presence right now yeah um yeah wow that's that's really really powerful yeah well, I mean, obviously Jesus was very encouraging uh, to a lot of people. Um, you know, Jesus healed a lot of people. He was very empathetic and loving and kind, which so so many of these terms, like, right, we, we're talking about encouragement, mm-hmm. but you encourage in many different ways. And I know yeah. later we're going to talk about, like, how do, how do we encourage today? Mm-hmm. But... You know, we don't we don't necessarily have some of the same tools that Jesus had, right? <laughs> right? We can't yeah. just bring somebody back from the dead or, uh, you know, heal somebody of a of a physical infirmity. But Jesus Jesus had his own way about encouraging others. I mean, who who else can say, "Well, your sins are forgiven," yeah. right? Only only yeah. Jesus could could like authoritatively mm-hmm. say that, but. Jesus in in multiple uh, situations uses the term, and the, and it depends on the version. Some some versions say "take heart," some of them say uh, "take courage." Right? It's it's almost like this authoritative type of of encouragement, 
one of which is found in John where the night that um, he was detri- uh, betrayed in John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Okay, so peace right there, he's trying to encourage. But then he goes on to say, in the world you have tri- tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Mm. It's like he's just trying to create this this level of comfort and positivity, and and he wants them to continue to carry on his mission long after he is gone, and and then and then here we are, still taking courage in the statement that he gave to his disciples before he died. Yeah, um, yeah, and it seems like that's something that he says over and over again. You see that throughout his ministry when he's mm-hmm. with his disciples, over and over again, you see him say those words: "Take heart." take courage, uh, do not be afraid. Um, he, it's this constant reminder. And, and one of the, the other things that stand out to me as far as how Jesus encouraged people is maybe we could just say through the ministry of presence, through just being there. You know, I think about John 11 and the raising of Lazarus. And of course, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, well, obviously everyone was very encouraged by that. And that's something that we can't do. But before that, there's this moment where he walks up and um, he sees the sisters, Mary and Martha, weeping. And then, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible, right? Jesus wept. And one of the most encouraging things I think is to just be able to weep with people just to show them that, Hey, I'm right here. And maybe I don't even have the words to say, but like my presence is literally with you and I'll, I'll sit here all night if that's what you need and I'll cry with you. Um, you know, there's something so, so powerful about that and and through that eventually um you know you can get to a a place where you point them toward that ultimate resurrection maybe uh maybe in the moment what they're suffering won't have any kind of immediate redemption Mm -hmm. maybe it will be hard for a while but through just sitting with them and enduring it with them eventually it, it can lead to a place where you can point them to that ultimately ultimate hope that yeah. redemption's coming. This will, this will be okay um, in the end. But I think th- what what a great point, Jared. And it it made me think of something that I had not uh, thought about before now. But um, a f- a few uh, months ago, I got together with a friend of mine who has had some major life changes over the past few years and he recently lost his wife uh to cancer just a few years ago and it's somebody that i have looked up to since i you know right after i i moved to bowling green one of my former bosses and he lost his wife to cancer and i was out with them uh we were actually fishing on the boat and i talked to him i was like what what is it like if if I am at a 
like a funeral. You know, like I, I'm trying to ask him, like, what could someone have said in that situation to have helped you? Okay, like what what you were just talking about right there. It's sometimes it's not coming up with something clever or insightful or whatever as you're going through the receiving line at a funeral like i'm i'm always there's this trepidation inside of me thinking you know what am i going to say what am i going to say what can i what can i do in this instance to make a difference in their life and although you may be able to do that you don't have to do that to make a difference sometimes it's just being there right just holding them, talk to them. And so I asked my friend, I was like, what what should I have said to you in that situation? Because I'm like, man, if, if someone could ever get to the point to where they were very good in this type of a situation, then they could really be an encourager. Like that's what's going on in the back of my mind while I'm asking these questions. He's like, Scott, just first of all, they're not going to probably remember anything that you say unless it's something negative, first of all. Like, they're just kind of numb. Just say, like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And make sure that they know that it's genuine, that it's from the heart that you care. And he said, but here's where you really make a difference. Follow up with them afterwards. Don't, Don't call them and say, hey, I'm sure you're fine, or definitely don't say, I know how you feel, because you don't, right? He's like, but he said, just follow up with them. Say, try, try to get them to go do something, or go go have coffee, go have lunch. And you know what? You don't even have to bring up what they're going through. If they want to talk to you about it, they will do it. But just by showing an interest taking time out of your schedule to prioritize the fact that you know that they need someone and just being there can make a big impact. Yeah. I know so many people feel that I've felt that, um, whether it's at a funeral or in other situations where people are going through something difficult, it's like, I don't, I don't have the words to say. And I think what you shared is so true that what people really need is to just know that you're there and and not not in just the way that most people express that you know I'm here for you but that you follow up mm-hmm. and say and offer an opportunity you know and in and, and then it's in their hands to yeah reach out and, and take advantage of it um yeah just something to take take their mind off of it yeah, you know, to to put their to put their effort uh, into something else, especially if somebody has lost a spouse and they're alone, and they go home and they're by themselves, and all they think about is ever of of what it was like before their spouse was gone. Mm. You know, yeah. that house is quiet. You know, sometimes the kids are off to college, or you know, and nobody's there but themselves. Mm. That can be a super pivotal time in somebody's life. Yeah. Absolutely. And an, another one other moment that I think of in the life of Jesus is when that was the one thing that he needed when he was in the garden mm-hmm. and he was all alone. The one thing he asked of 
humanity in that moment of the three closest people he had in his time here on earth was to just just sit with me here while I weep and pray. And um, I don't ever want to leave someone alone like the disciples left Jesus in that moment. And in a, in a, in a, I guess a theological way, we've, we've all done that to Christ. Um, But when I think about that in terms of the people in my life, um, I would hate to look back and realize that I left someone weeping and praying alone. Um, But sometimes all it is, is just that ministry of, of presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked about uh, the different moments within our own lives that have brought encouragement and we looked at these different moments within scripture and in the life of Jesus and I know a lot of the conversation has kind of centered around grief um, but you know encouragement is so broad I mean all throughout mm-hmm. the New Testament the the Greek word is perikaleo and that gets translated a ton of different ways um, to uh, counsel to admonish to comfort to invite to call all of these are part of this idea of encouragement and so uh, let's let's contextualize that within a church yeah, you know within sure. within our day-to-day lives not mm-hmm. every day, are we interacting with people who are overcoming grief? And yet there's still so many ways that people need encouragement. Yeah. And so how does that start? How do we be an encourager to the people around us in our families, friend mm-hmm. groups, communities, wherever that may be? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, like you were talking about that, that term has, uh, it can mean a lot of different things um, as far as like, the way that we encourage or admonish it, it can take a lot of different uh, a lot of different looks uh, depending upon who it is or who we're talking to um, in in kind of its basic form encouragement is just another form of love which is one of the you know fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 but um, we've got to make sure that it's real and not fake fake uh, encouragement is um, you know kind of goes the other way and and it does a disservice to what we're actually trying to accomplish, but it's just uh, diligently seeking to bear the burden of others, whether that means, you know, I, and this isn't necessarily like a burden or I know we're talking about grief, which is kind of a, of, of a burden, but encouragement is really, it's not, re, I guess what I'm seeking is it's not reactive it's proactive, right? So if I see, uh, let's say, somebody who gets up and they, you know, uh, I don't know, speak in front of the group, which it doesn't have to be, or, or let's say that I see someone, you know, take food to someone in need, I could say, man, you know what? Good for you. That is, that's making a big impact. You are really helping out. Just, just little, little ways that you can encourage them. Or, or, I guess, what is also important is just to make sure that you are positively reinforcing positive things. Right? If you, mm-hmm. if you see someone uh, living out uh, their life as a Christian and they go out of their way to do something for someone, make sure and you know. Say something to them about it. 
let them know that you are watching and that you are noticing. Um, my kids thrive on this stuff. Uh, I, I shouldn't say thrive, but it's kind of almost gotten to the point where Abby was like, Dad, you are so sentimental. You know, and she, <laughs> she gives me this look. And, but, but at the risk of being sappy or sentimental, you know what? Take, take the risk. I, I don't know of anybody that I've ever given somebody a genuine compliment that has ever said, you know, don't ever do that again, right? Right. <laughs> we all, we all uh, in some way feed off of it, regardless of whether our lo- love language is words of admonition or not, which some people it is. Yeah. And, and so I feel like it starts with just having an awareness, you know, looking around, seeing those needs, and then taking the initiative to say, okay, yeah, at the risk of it being awkward or me fumbling over my words, uh, usually, I mean, that means the world. And, and people, um, uh, you know, people are generally very unsure of themselves. And the people who mm-hmm. are not, it's pretty obvious, you know? It's yeah. like people usually in every situation they're in need some kind of encouragement. And so, you know, like you said, maybe it's someone does something here at church that you notice and you go out of your way to say something about that. They may have felt, I didn't know how that worked or not. I I thought I made a terrible comment in Bible class or I didn't think my Mm -hmm. prayer was good at all, but that's so encouraging that that means something to you. Um, And then also, you know, uh, not just in terms of like maybe religious things, but uh, you know, you see a mother who is, uh, you know, just doing everything mm-hmm. she can to yeah. to keep these kids, you know, yeah. and show them love and to bring them here. Like, they need a reminder that hey, you're doing a great job and you're doing yes. a wonderful thing. Yes. Um, or yeah. same with same with dads. You know, it, it's just like everybody needs that. Or maybe it's somebody who, uh, you know, recently. Uh, started a new job, you know, and it's just like, hey, yeah. it's like, how's that going? Yeah. Oh, I feel like it's not. Hey, I, you know, I bet you're doing a better job than you think. You know, I one time started a new job. Here's what happened to me. It was, you know, just like sharing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it has something to do with like encouraging someone who's going through now what you've been through before. Yeah. Stressful you know? situations where yeah. you know it's just yeah. like, oh my goodness. Like, one thing you just made me think of is the mom in the grocery store. She's just doing everything she can yeah. to like keep it together. <laughs> She's got kids in the cart, kids following. Somebody's crying. Somebody's ripping something off the shelf, and and she's embarrassed because for for whatever reason. And just say, man, mom, you're doing a great job. Yeah. Just just I don't know. It it's just being a light, letting yeah. your light shine. Yeah, in a conscious manner. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. I think you had a really good thought when you just talked about um, things that you have stressed over or the situations that you have been in before, uh, using that as an opportunity to to help others that are going through that same thing. Like, I, I know of... You know, people that have gone through 
financial struggles or family struggles or temptation struggles within their life here at church, that they have a unique ability now to help others that are going through that same struggle. Like if, mm-hmm. if they had not at some point faltered or, or given in, like they wouldn't have the same, I don't want to say platform, but just like they ju- people just don't know until they go through it what it's like. And that yeah. doesn't mean that two people go through a similar uh, temptation or, or struggle and it's exactly the same. But it just means more when you're encouraged by somebody who has been there and done that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it makes me think about like David and Jonathan. Yeah. Um, you know, Jonathan was about 10 years older than David. Um, he had been through battles before and things like that. And uh, imagine what Jonathan's encouragement meant to David. Um, now, of course, he had already slain Goliath at that point by the time mm-hmm. that they meet. Um, but you see how his response to David is just like, here, take my armor, take my sword, take mm-hmm. everything that I've got, and I want to give it to you. And that principle uh, I think is so meaningful for maybe even for that 10-year age gap. Like think about people in your life who are around 10 years younger mm-hmm. um, or maybe 10 years older. Think about who is 10 – who's 10 years older, who've, who has been an encouragement to me. Like I can name so many people mm-hmm. around that age range where I'm like, yeah, they have really yeah. helped me and built me up because of the experiences that they've been through. And now, okay, now let's look back. Who is, you know, five, 10 years uh, behind me in life and what armor can I take off of me and give to them? And what experiences can I, can I share with them to build them up? Um, there's something really powerful in that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate you, um, you know, talking to me today. Yeah. It's been mutually beneficial, very much so. Yeah. Well, I, I've really enjoyed it too. And, um, you know, we can maybe close out with this really great verse in Hebrews chapter three. In verse 13, when he writes, Take care, brothers and sisters, that there will not be any one of you with an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another every day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So that really summarizes all of it. It's like, hey, encouragement is about putting heart into people. And there's so many moments, I think, where people feel like they're losing heart and they're starting to kind of fall, maybe not all the way away, but just falling, just faltering and feeling like they can't keep going. Um, And the thing that keeps people going is God speaking words of encouragement through us and I love how he says, as long as it's called today, is it today? Is today called today? Yeah. Then there's somebody to encourage. Seize the day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome conversation. Really enjoyed this. Thanks uh, for, for being an encourager to me and to so many people. And uh, we'll be praying for you on your trip. Uh, Thanks. Uh, come, come 
bring back a feast. You know, we won't we won't kill a fat yeah. calf, but maybe we'll uh, oh boy. we'll slaughter a moose and have oh a boy. festival or something. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I hope oh hope all that goes well and praying for you and your family. Thank you very much. <laughs>